As the spread of COVID-19 rapidly increases, the state of California has temporarily banned singing and chanting in churches and other places of worship. The Department of Public Health says activities like singing and chanting basically negate all the safety that you get from the six feet of social distancing. For places of worship that decide to hold in-person services, they're still limited to attendance of 25% of the building's capacity or a maximum of 100 people, whichever is less. Well, there you have it. For the first time in this nation's history, we have officially banned the praising of Jesus in churches. We just can't have those praises being sung. They're far too dangerous. It's not safe to have that. Welcome everyone. I'm Daniel Joseph and you're on the Corner Fringe. Today we are going to be looking at current events. I'm going to keep it simple. We're just going to be looking at some developments. Uh, specifically, uh, one uh, thing has come out this week that is pivotal in all of this uh, pandemic, shall I say. Uh, I want to begin today by taking you to an email I received by Pacific Justice Institute. This is a law firm uh, out in California uh, who is on the front lines of all of this craziness that's going on out there where you have the banning of singing, the banning of church in general. This is what they say. Look at this. Recently, California Governor Gavin Newsom issued an executive order banning indoor church services in 30 counties. Specifically, the order requires places of worship to close all indoor operations. Now listen to this. Prior to that, the governor banned singing in churches. Permanent church and Christian school closures are increasing. Now, one thing I want you to recognize is there is a progressive nature here. There's a progressive nature happening. And this, this concerns me because this is typical of the Antichrist. This is when the devil comes into the town. This is what you expect to see happen. He will progress. Evil will progress more and more and will combat. It will be more and more intolerant of righteousness, of holiness. And certainly uh, one thing that uh, qualifies as being righteous and holy are singing praises to Jesus, to Yeshua, King of glory. That is the enemy is intolerant towards that kind of activity and absolutely intolerant towards churches meeting at all not wanting brothers and sisters to come together to dwell together in unity because how blessed it is it's like the the holy anointing oil that runs down the beard of Aaron it's a beautiful thing well, look at what he this uh, outfit goes on to say. This on-again, off-again response to church openings protocols from the governor is placing pastors, pastors, listen up here, pastors in the unenviable position of choosing between adhering strictly to everything the governor, uh, governing authorities mandate and exercising their First Amendment rights and living out Hebrews 10.25. So here's what the Pacific Justice Institute recognizes and does so correctly. That we are now officially in the Valley of Decision. We are at a time where pastors are going to have to make tough decisions. This, this, kinda, this is reminiscent of Deuteronomy 30, right? where the Lord says, Behold, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. 
we are at an impasse, pastors and Christians alike. We are going to have to make decisions we have never made before in our lives in this country as Christians. Decisions of whether we are going to compromise our faith, compromise our communities, compromising our praising and worshiping, or whether we're going to stick to our guns, or whether we're going to get resolved in heart, whether we're going to set our head like flint and continue to worship the Lord. I think about the prophet Daniel and how when he was commanded by the government that a law was passed, it didn't exist, no, it was passed. And what's interesting, kind of the backdrop of that was the whole intent was to make Daniel fall was in a sense to destroy righteousness, was in a sense to destroy holiness, an awesome testimony of the living God. Therefore, laws were created. When those laws were created, what did Daniel do? He didn't even blink. He went home and he prayed. Today, you know, for those Californians, you don't even blink. When they say you can't praise the Lord, that's exactly what I'm going to do, whether in my house or whether with my brothers and sisters in community. We are going to praise Jesus, Yeshua, Son of the living God. This is what's going to happen. And we're not doing it because we want to be rebellious to them, because we will not compromise, not even slightly, but we're going to stand on the Word of God. He is our judge, and there is an order of authority and it's not radicalized, communistic dictators, uh, pretenders to be lovers of democracy that supersede biblical mandates. That's not what this is about. This is simply the Lord is king. He comes first. And as long as your laws don't require us to compromise, then, of course, we are to have a loving, a gentle spirit. And we are to be eager to obey. We're to show that kind of spirit, that kind of heart. That's a beautiful thing, but not when you cross the line. And I'm telling you right now, a line has been drawn in the sand. And you will have to choose you this day whom you will serve. And make no mistake, the devil's going to come at you, and the devil's going to come at the church in this country to try to demonize them for being hateful, unthoughtful people, sending people other, the general public, to their death because they're not being considerate when they get together and they want to praise the name of Jesus. They're not thinking about other people. Yeah, th th these types of things are already set in motion. You better believe it. And so now's the time that we need to get resolved in our heart. Looking at the last part of the statement, notice that he says, exercising their First Amendment rights. And you see, you remember, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. They're not to make any laws that prohibit us to practice our faith. This is the deal. And yet, this is what's happening in this country right now. And, and, and this law firm is recognizing this among many, many other attorneys. But then it says, and living out Hebrews 10.25, which this is a specific reference to, uh, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. And in other words, you know, we're confronted as believers 
on two levels. Now, hear me carefully. We're confronted, yes, even on a secular legal level where we have constitutional rights. And then also the spiritual level uh, where we're to receive God's instruction, instruction that's not to be compromised. Amen. Continuing on here, there's more to this email I want to share. It's been said that the governor's actions show that he trusts management of big box uh, stores and abortion clinics more than pastors and churches. Many pastors think the latest order conflicts with our First Amendment right to peaceably assemble and practice religion. Feeling the First Amendment is God-given and unalienable right, as did the founding fathers. One Californian politician uh, stated, a restriction on our First Amendment rights in the form of the government closing down houses of worship can not be tolerated. I'm going to tell you something right now. You know, pastors are going to have to make some serious decisions in regard to their flocks. They're just, they're, they're going to have to do it. We're being confronted with this at this point in this generation. Uh, whether it be, hey, do you have to wear a mask or not? You're going to have to figure that out. Do I have to social distance or not? Do I have to stop singing? Do I have to stop assembling? All of these things that are coming from the government, coming into the church, these mandates that have never existed before, new laws, they need to be talked about. They need to be thought about. And, you know, I'll give you an example. And this is something I had a talk with several gentlemen last night. The concept of social distancing... You cannot social distance in the context of church. I don't know how you can biblically even think about doing that. Uh, it doesn't work. And I'll flat out tell you, I will not social distance. It's not going to happen. And it's, again, this is not because I want to stick it to the governor. I want to stick it to the man. I'm not interested in that. It's I can't function. I can't even carry out my responsibility as a pastor, as a teacher, by social distancing, because the Bible is filled with the very opposite. There's a thing known as laying on of hands, and it, and it exists in all sorts of different contexts. It exists in a baptismal context. When someone comes out and gets baptized, the next thing you do, there's to be a laying on of hands, ushering in, calling upon the Holy Spirit to fill that person's heart. There's a context of commissioning. If we're going to commission people to go out in the name of the Lord to preach the gospel, there is to be a laying on of hands. And there's several examples in Scripture of this. Okay, if, if, if someone's in need of healing, they need prayer, and they want to be anointed with oil, there's going to be a laying on of hands. Jesus himself went out and healed. He laid his hands on the blind man to give him sight. And so, no, you know, the, the reality is, is I can't social distance in the context of church. I absolutely can practice social distancing in public, going out to private establishments. It's, it's not that difficult. But in a context of a church setting where the first thing that we're supposed to do, Paul says over and over again, multiple times, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, today, our version of that is we come and we hug each other. 
because it's it's an act of love or even shake hands whatever the case may be there, there's a greeting and there, there's something deeply spiritual about that when believers come together where two or three are gathered in my name there i am in the midst of them and when they're coming together with love it's powerful and so no i you know personally as a pastor i cannot social distance on any level and so pastors and believers this is the time to become critical thinkers you you need to start bearing down you need to start assessing information you need to start assessing what you're being asked to do or what your communities are being asked to do and say hey is this actually messing with our ability to function as the bride of christ as the church and if you are answering those questions yes then you have a problem then you need to think about how you're going to stand and to do it, of course, as respectfully as you can. But compromise is not an option. You are now at the point of all those stories you read in Scripture, all those instructions, all that wisdom that you have covered in your lifetime. It is time to put it to use. All these great men that we read about in Scripture, these titans of the faith, their radical faith and all the tribulation they went through and not compromising. It's time to emulate these men, these women of the faith. This is who we need to be in this generation. I want to, I want to break, uh, I want, I want to open up today with, uh, really talking about where things are going. And like I said, we're just kind of looking at current events today. And here's the first headline I want to share with you. Digital Health Passport will provide health data on smartphones. Determine when citizens must be retested. The COVID Pass platform is designed to hold information about patients, allow or restrict them from entering certain areas and businesses, and interface with healthcare professionals. Additionally, other healthcare providers and business leaders will be able to scan the COVID pass of others to determine their current medical status, including whether they are up to date on vaccinations before allowing them to return to work or travel. Now, you want to talk about an Orwellian nightmare this is absurd this is the technology that's been developed for this generation and there's other technology like this that exists to where the whole concept of this covid as in covid right this covid pass is that you're going to have this app and everybody's going to be able to know where you're at have you been retested are you up to date on your test which i'll get to that in a moment but just the thought of that is terrifying that this is this is where it's going continuing on covi pass will also inform patients when they must either be retested for covid19 or be allowed to re-enter society not making this up signaled by the app using push notifications and changing colors to inform them they must either be retested or may re-enter society this is, this is a program that is going to depict whether or not you can go to and fro. This is a program telling you, oh, wait a second, you, you need to be retested. 
for COVID. You know, you maybe maybe you were tested last week. Well, that's not good enough. No, we, we need to retest. Oh, because, you know, I mean, you can just see the narrative unfold. Well, there's a hot spot in your area, so we're just going to retest you. And we're going to retest you next week and, and the week after. Um, I'm going to tell you that's a dangerous precedent to set because that is all-out oppression. That is all-out radical control where literally every aspect of freedom, liberty, it will be stripped from you. Check this out. Look at this video. This is another, this is uh, some more technology that's been developed for this generation. Until there is a vaccine for the coronavirus, social distancing will be required as we get back to work and try to return to some level of normalcy. And for those not yet immune, contact tracing is needed to help prevent flare-ups. The Aristaflow social distancing and contact tracing solution uses a wireless device worn by employees to help enforce CDC guidelines for social distancing and automate contact tracing. The tag is worn as a wrist strap, pendant, or key fob and detects proximity of other tags. When people come within six feet of each other for a period of time, the device alerts the wearer and a record of the contact is made in the Aristaflow software system. So get this. If you at any point come within six feet or someone, it immediately gets logged so you will not be able to gather if you breach that six-foot perimeter and all that information is kept and then it also takes all the information and you know the, the whole idea behind this is whatever information that is on you like for instance you tested last week or you haven't tested and you just happen to come within six feet that stuff's gonna come out I mean this is you know there I <laughs> you you have to laugh when you say is there any such thing as privacy laws because be, this is insane well listen to this there's an article written up on this very uh technology listen to what this says orwellian bracelet pushed by big tech to enforce social distancing will beep to prevent human contact you, you just can't make it up the intercept has reported on the push to slap fitbit style bracelets onto people in order to track them and coerce their behavior Aristaflow, a tech firm based out of Maryland, is marketing bracelets that would beep whenever a person comes within six feet of another individual in the workplace. Israeli surveillance firm Supercom is repackaging services that are used on criminals to enforce home confinements on ordinary people in the workplace. Think about that statement for a moment they're taking tech designed for criminals and now we're going to apply it on ordinary citizens that haven't done anything wrong you know this is what they call a communistic dream and a citizen's nightmare continuing on they are calling their service pure care and it is described as a state-of-the-art solution for quarantine and isolation monitoring to aid government efforts in uh, containing and limiting the reach of infectious diseases so it's, isn't, isn't that nice and comforting this is pure care so it's just all about the health and well-being of the general public gives me warm fuzzies many customers and potential customers around the world ask us 
if we could use that same platform, and actually th this is a quote from Ordon Trabelsi, he's the president of Supercom. So many customers and potential customers around the world asked us if we could use that same platform uh, to do, you know, COVID-19 home quarantine tracking and compliance. And we thought, of course we can, because it's exactly what we do in the offender tracking space. But now we'll just be tracking people that are not essentially offenders, but unluckily we're exposed to the virus he added. Again, in other words, we're now going to implement criminal technology designed explicitly for criminals, and we're going to apply it to free society. I don't care how you cut it. Nothing about that sounds wonderful. Nothing about that sounds good. It doesn't pass the smell test. This is very disturbing. Uh, in fact, it's so disturbing that Leonard Rubenstein who is actually a bioethicist and human rights attorney from Johns Hopkins uh, School of Public Health, this is how he responds to this. He says, I found the ankle monitor and other tracking methods described by Supercom highly inappropriate and detrimental to a public health response in being unreasonably and unnecessarily coercive. A serious invasion of privacy without any safeguards and promoting an adversarial relationship to public health authorities when the relationship should be built on trust. So he's looking at and saying this is absolutely insane. This is draconian of what you're doing. And who knows how many violations of privacy laws you're, you're violating in, in regard to this. But of course, it's... It's all for everyone's safety. It's all for their well-being, for their health, said the devil. I mean, this is how he rolls. You know what's scary about this? You know, I, I read this to you, and we go, this is insane. Well, it gets worse because it's happening. This type of mentality is already being implemented upon U.S. citizens in this country. In fact, a, a video that went viral last week. Uh, records such an incident. Check this out. They were put on house arrest and forced to wear ankle monitors. They say this happened after they refused to sign self-quarantine papers. Now, the woman said she wasn't showing signs, but she got tested for COVID-19 before she visited family. Well, her test came back positive. She says the health department contacted her and requested she sign documents agreeing to call them anytime she left her house. She didn't sign the document, so the sheriff's department and the health department showed up at her door with orders for her and her husband to wear ankle monitors. The couple says they never denied self-quarantining. That's exactly what the um, director of the public health department had told the judge, that I was refusing to self-quarantine because of this. And I'm like, that's not the case at all. I never said that. The woman says she didn't sign the form because she just didn't agree with the wording of the document. She said if she needed to go to the ER or the hospital, she wasn't going to wait for approval to go. Even without the ankle monitor, she planned to be cautious, she said. The couple does plan to hire an attorney. And you know what? These people should sue. A great injustice has been done to this couple. Now, you want to talk about craziness. This is mind-blowing. This is boggling. Keep in mind, this woman was asymptomatic, had absolutely, she didn't feel sick. She had no symptoms of COVID. Only because she tested positive, apparently, 
all her rights as an American citizen are gone. Even to the point they're coming out and saying, hey, because you tested positive, you sign this document and basically sign away your life that, no, you, you don't get to leave your house. You, you talk to us first. You don't have the freedom. I mean, again, this, is, this, is, this was Stalin and Lenin's dream. Yeah, you need to call the government to move out of your house or to do anything. Now, one thing that you got to see that is the most insane component to all of this, this was allowed to happen because she tested positive. It, it, it has nothing to do with how she feels, whether she's really sick or not. No, no, no. It, it, it's whether she tested positive, which means all of this power hinges very much so upon the testing, which makes these COVID tests absolutely pretty important to American citizens and anyone else in the world who is going to be subject to testing and the government's implementing some form of at-home imprisonment, if not take you off to an isolation camp, which is happening in other parts of the world. That is scary. This is where you get into real problems because now you, you have to trust a test. Well, how reliable are these tests? Well, let's check this out. First headline, Scamdemic. It's a great headline. False positive test results exposed. False positive test results exposed. Look at what it says. Fox 35 reports, countless labs have reported a 100% positivity rate. Meaning you, you, everyone that... Every test that was coming, 100%, every one of them tested positive. Oh, my goodness. Which means every single person tested was positive. Other labs had very high positivity rates. Fox 35 News found that testing sites like one local Centricare reported that 83 people were tested and all tested positive. Continuing on. Then NCF Diagnostics in Alchua Alachua, uh, reported 88% of tests were positive. Think about these numbers. You wonder why they're talking about crazy spikes all over? The report showed that Orlando Health had a 98% positivity rate. However, when Fox 35 News contacted the hospital, they, were confirmed, they confirmed errors in the report. Orlando's health positivity rate is only 9.4%, not 98% as in the report. Well, isn't that comforting? We're getting the numbers uh, so right. Continuing, military insurer TRICARE admitted that it wrongly told more than 600,000 U.S. military members that they had the virus. And again, you tested positive. The CDC admitted that it is mixing antibody with viral test results to derive its case numbers, and you can test positive on an antibody test, now listen to this. If you have antibodies from a family of viruses that cause the common cold. Yes, you heard that right. And to further better explain this, uh, let's listen to Dr. Batar. The rate of COVID supposedly is going up. Boom, 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 boom. That's the rate of diagnosis. And there's actually an article that came out. There's actually a couple articles, and I'm gonna show this actual screenshots of some of these articles, as well as some of the doctors that have recently reached out to me or that reach, have reached out to other friends of mine, saying that this whole thing with the COVID-19 
diagnosis increasing is not accurate because we have people coming in for a urinary tract infection or a kidney stone or appendicitis and we do the routine check and it's being mandated to check for COVID-19 they test positive so now we have to put them down as being positive so the rates of numbers are going up but the death rates plummeted hardly anybody has died of COVID-19 now here's something interesting that I saw today multiple governors making announcements about the COVID-19 their numbers in their state different states and yet the numbers they're quoting are exactly the same it was 22 yesterday it's 33 today exact same numbers in different states so I don't believe the numbers anyway, but the more you test and you're using the RT-PCR test, the person who developed this test, who won a Nobel Peace Prize, he himself said that you cannot use the RT-PCR to establish an infectious process. And the gold standard of seeing what the test is, because remember there has to be a surrogate. For PCR to work, you have to have a surrogate test, you have to have a gold standard and you test against it. It has never, ever been established. Now, I believe, if you look at and understand how the PCR works, they amplify it. They keep on amplifying it until you start seeing a certain number of whatever you're looking for, a certain number start to appear. I believe that at this point, they're going to continue to amplify the, the test to the point that everybody on this planet will test positive. Already the Centers for Disease Control has come out and said that with the current testing that they're doing, they're, they're not distinguishing between antibody titers you know, serological markers and uh, virology. So serology and virology, they haven't distinguished that. They're kind of throwing all those numbers together. And the most interesting thing is that they've already established that they cannot rule out that if you've had a cold before, that you could test positive for COVID-19, which is what I said a couple of months ago based upon the CAT study, that there were cats that had gotten the flu shot, never been exposed to COVID-19, and yet they were testing positive. So how many people on this planet have had a cold before? Hmm. So that's about how many people will test positive, the more you keep on testing it. And so that's justifying their numbers. They want to propagate this fear. So that justifies the numbers and the sheeple are following those numbers rather than looking at how many people are actually dying from it. And nobody's dying from it. The death rate from COVID-19 is less than half of that of the regular seasonal flu. And in certain places in the world already, the cat's out of the bag. In Germany, in Italy, Members of parliament and members of the government have already come out and made certain statements. In Brazil, members of the, of the government have actually sent in troops and investigators into some of these hospitals that are saying that there are 5,000 people that are sick with COVID and they barge in, force their way into the hospitals, and guess what they find? Not only are there not 5,000 patients in there, there's no patients in there. In fact, the, ho the hospital is under construction, under renovation. Not a single patient there. And this type of nonsense is all over the place. It's all over the place. So start critically thinking. Start thinking about what the issues are and don't jump on a bandwagon either way. Of course, unless you're a troll or you're being paid to do it, then you know just keep on doing the same thing you're doing. You've already compromised your integrity, that's fine. I'm not talking to the trolls here. So I'm talking about the people that truly want to understand what's going on. People that may not have the same thought process, but that are now starting to question. And that's exactly what we need to be doing. We need to be questioning. The question is why? Why is stuff being censored? Why is information being prevented from being disseminated? Why am I getting this song and dance about X, Y, and Z, whereas my own frame of reference in my own experience, I'm not seeing this. And we, we realize that if this thing is so damaging, so detrimental, so virulent, and so resistant, and they really need to stop everything and, and put up the ridiculous 
restrictions that they're putting up, then why is it that certain sectors, i.e. houses of worship, where people congregate, they're not able to do so, but other places, like a Walmart or Costco, it's fine. Why is it that gyms, that where you work out and get your body better and, and, and stay healthy, why is it that they're being not considered essential, but liquor stores are, okay? Ask yourself these questions. Things that better an individual, a person that wants to connect with their spiritual leaders, they can't meet in congregation, but hey, you can go and go shopping. You can't go to a business meeting with more than 10 people in there, but you know, you can go to Costco where there's a few hundred people in there at any given time, and no problem. And so there you have Dr. Pitar's uh, little snapshot view of uh, really being mindful and trying to uh, critically think in regard to this whole testing and the process and even, may I say, the response that we're seeing. I mean, this is beyond over the top. And so this this testing that we see going forth and all these crazy numbers uh, spiking all over the place. Um, it, it, here's the first thing. It doesn't mean everyone's dying. See, that's the thing. I mean, we've been so, you know, the media has done such a fantastic job making people think if someone gets COVID, it's a death sentence. That is not true. And it's something we've covered multiple times in this. The mortality rate, as Dr. Pitar and many other doctors have noted, is minimal. And the ones that are dying, it's the comorbid rate. It's the, it's the people that are dealing with multiple underlying medical conditions, not just one, but multiple underlying medical conditions, let alone the age of these individuals. And so, but now we're, we're, we're being trained in such a manner to think of it. If somebody even gets COVID, they're as good as dead. It's a death sentence and it's simply not true. And there's even more stuff that Dr. Buttar did not cover in this particular video that would make your head hurt in regard to what is going on in this country right now. But I merely show you this, I show you the article, I show you the videos, and, and we talk about this because the testing aspect is one of the primary cogs to carry out this agenda, an agenda that we've covered quite well in, in this series, and I don't need to go over it again. Did you guys hear about what happened this week? And it's more of a rhetorical question because there was a viral situation, pun intended, if you will. But there was a, a particular video of a group of doctors known as America's Frontline Doctors. They stood out in front of the Supreme Court and held an open press conference, in, or in the sense, of, in, in who covered it? Breitbart covered it. They live-streamed it. And what I heard, one of the things, last things I heard is that thing had over 20 million hits in a matter of a very short time. It's one of the most craziest viral videos to go out. And uh, they took it down. YouTube went after it. Uh, Facebook took it down. And I believe Twitter did as well. It was taking down all the major uh, platforms of social media. See, because they... They have, as we know, they have a zero tolerance policy that you, you can't speak against anything against the World Health Organization, not just a derogatory comment saying, you know, I don't like the World Health Organization. What a joke. No, no, no. 
their recommendations. I'm not making this up. Think about this for a second. Their recommendations, if you go against their recommendations, and specifically about what we see happening here on this pandemic, uh, you're a goner. You can't, you can't speak of it. So now the World Health Organization is God in their eyes. And so this is exactly what Brock Chisholm dreamed of, uh, the, head of the, the first head of the World Health Organization. I mean, his, his dreams and fantasies of this radical New World Order, psychotic communistic takeover, uh, demonically inspired, uh, this is what he envisioned. This is what he envisioned something, now, now obviously not specifically using the coronavirus, but this is exactly what he envisioned. This is what he desired to have happen. It's absolutely bonkers where everyone just bows the knee because of a recommendations. Everybody loses their faculties and all common sense. Um, I want to share with you a few clips. Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to share with you a clip of Dr. Stella Emmanuel, and uh, she's going to talk about the drug hydroxychloroquine. And this is so critical that we understand this piece of it because this comes, this all comes together when you start linking all of this to see the landscape, the broad landscape of the agenda that is being pushed. But look at what she says. Again, this is a doctor. This is in front of the United States Supreme Court. This is the uh, America's Frontline Doctors. This is an association of doctors that have gotten together to come out and speak truth. And they believe truth is being suppressed right now. So check this out. Hello, um, I'm Dr. Stella Emanuel. I'm a primary care physician in Houston, Texas. You know, um, I actually uh, went to medical school in West Africa, Nigeria, where I took care of malaria patients, treated them with hydroxychloroquine and stuff like that. So I'm actually used to these medications. I'm here because I have personally treated over 350 patients with COVID. Patients that have diabetes, patients that have high blood pressure, patients that have um, asthma, old people. I think my oldest patient is 92, 87 year olds. And the result has been the same. I put them on hydroxychloroquine, I put them on zinc, I put them on Zitromax, and they are all well. For the past few months, I've taken care of over 350 patients. We've not lost one. Not a diabetic, not a somebody with high blood pressure, not somebody with asthma, not an old person. We've not lost one patient. And on top of that, I've put myself, my staff, and many doctors that I know on hydroxychloroquine for prevention because by the very mechanism of action, it works early and as a prophylaxis. We see patients, 10 to 15 COVID patients every day. We give them breathing treatments. We only wear surgical masks. None of us has gotten sick. It works. So right now, I, I came here to Washington DC to say, America, nobody needs to die. The, 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 the study that made me start using hydroxychloroquine was a study that they did in, under the NIH in 2005 that say it works. Recently, I was doing some research about a patient that had hiccups, and I found out that they even did a recent study in the NIH, which is our national institute um, that is the, the national NIH, National Institute of, of Health. They actually had a study, I'm going to look it up, type hiccups and COVID. You will see it. They treated a patient that had hiccups with hydroxychloroquine, and it proved that COVID is a symptom of, hydrox of, of uh, hiccups 
it's a symptom of, of COVID. So if the NIH knows that treating the patient with hydroxychloroquine proves that hiccup is a symptom of COVID, then they definitely know that hydroxychloroquine works. I'm upset. Why I'm upset is that I see people that cannot breathe. I see parents walk in. I see diabetics sit in my office knowing that this is a death sentence and they can't breathe. And I hug them and I tell them, it's going to be okay, you're going to leave. And we treat them and they leave. None has died. So if some fake science, some person sponsored by all these fake pharma companies comes and say, oh, we've done studies and they found out that it doesn't work, I can tell you categorically it's fake science. I want to know who is sponsoring that study. I want to know who is behind it. Because there is no way I can treat 350 patients and counting and nobody is dead and they all did better. And then you're going to tell me that you treated 20 people, 40 people and, and it didn't work. I'm a true testimony. So I came here to Washington, D.C. to tell America, nobody needs to get sick. This virus has a cure. It is called hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and zitromax. I know you people want to talk about masks. Hello? You don't need masks. There is a cure. I know they don't want to open schools. No, you don't need to, people to be locked down. There is prevention and there is a cure. And let me tell you something. All you fake doctors out there that tell me, oh yeah, I want a double-blinded studies. I just tell you, squeeze sounding like a computer, double-blinded, double-blinded. I don't know whether your chips are malfunctioning, but I'm a real doctor. I have radiologists, we have plastic surgeons, we have neurosurgeons like Sanjay Gupta saying, oh yeah, it doesn't work and it causes heart disease. Let me ask you, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, hear me. Have you ever seen a COVID patient? Have you ever treated anybody with hydroxychloroquine and they died from heart disease? When you do, come and talk to me. Because I sit down in my clinic every day and I see this patient walk in every day, scared to, scared to death. I see people driving two, three hours to my clinic because some ER doctor is scared of the Texas board or they are scared of something and they will not prescribe medication to these people. I tell all of you doctors that are sitting down and watching Americans die. You're like the good Nazi, the good what? The good Germans that watch Jews get killed and you do not speak up. If they come after me, they threaten me. They've threatened to, I mean, I've gotten all kinds of threats. Oh, they're going to report me to the boards. They're going to, I say, you know what? I don't care. I'm not going to let Americans die. And if this is the mountain, if this is the hill where I get nailed on, I will get nailed on it. I don't care. You can report me to the board. You can kill me. You can do whatever. But I'm not going to let Americans die. And today I'm here to say it, that America, there is a cure for COVID. All this foolishness, it's not, does not need to happen. There is a cure for COVID. There is a cure for COVID. It's called hydroxychloroquine. It's called zinc. It's called Zitromax. And it is time for the grassroots to wake up and say, no, we're not going to take this any longer. We're not going to die. Because let me tell you something. When somebody is dead, they are dead. They're not coming back tomorrow to have an argument. They're not coming back tomorrow to discuss the double-blinded study and the data. All of you doctors that are waiting for data, if six months down the line, you actually found out that this data shows that this medication works, how about your patients that have died? You want a double-blinded study where people are dying? It's unethical. So, guys, we don't need to die. There is a cure for COVID. Absolutely incredible. A brave woman, uh, a woman clearly with integrity. There was nothing ambiguous about her position in regard to hydroxychloroquine, something she clearly prescribes often, has treated more than 350 patients with 100% success rate, 
and here's the thing. Did, did you catch what she said? One of the things that's very important. She herself takes it. I mean, you want to know what things are truly effective and things that even would be argumentatively safe are the things that doctors themselves are willing to take. And she herself takes this drug, administers it to others, and clearly has come out and said, there is a cure for this. Now, keep in mind, this is in front of the steps of the United States Supreme Court. And this had, I I believe the numbers were over 20 million views. This went absolutely viral. Again, pun intended. Uh, This went viral, but you know what happened is all the big tech companies, the social uh, media companies came out and killed it. You won't find it on YouTube. You won't find it on Facebook. And I believe Twitter as well. And so they totally removed it because here's the thing. You can't speak against the World Health Organization, but it, it, it's, it's worse than that because apparently the World Health Organization is now God, which is, you know, Brock Chisholm's beautiful dream, uh, the first head of the World Health Organization. This is what he wanted to happen, where the entire world would bow the knee to the World Health Organization as it unites a new world order. And so... You not only can't speak, and, and, and this is the thing, whether we're YouTube, Facebook, it's not that you just can't say something derogatory towards the World Health Organization. Apparently, if you go against their recommendations for COVID and their perspective on any level, you're out of here. You're gone. That is terrifying. That's terrifying. That means we are drowning in evil propaganda, uh, something that's not foreign to the world. Nazi Germany uh, is a great example to this, where the German people were drowning in evil propaganda about the Jews and how they were medically inferior and how they were carriers of all the diseases and how they were the problems of all the, you know, the world's problems. They, they were the source of it. Uh, this is the kind of demonic activity we see happening right now. And it's, you know, here's further proof. I went after this got taken down, you couldn't find it. It was within hours that you could go type in America's frontline doctors as everyone is flooding all over the world. This, this people were looking at this video. And when you went to Google and it was all scrubbed, the only thing you could find on the front page was negative things about these doctors. It, immediately they moved to discredit them. Uh, a perfect example, let me, let me put up this. Take a look at this. This was, this was, I typed into Google, Americans Frontline Doctors, and this is one of the things, they, front page, page one. And I actually typed it on multiple computers, uh, multiple times, and front page every single time, negative, negative, negative. And it reads like uh, things where we see unproven coronavirus cure claim or misleading hydroxychloroquine video or um, America's frontline doctors may be real doctors, but experts say they don't know what they're talking about. These are doctors. These are medical doctors involved with this. 
And they're not just one thing. I mean, it's a span of ophthalmologists and virologists and epidemiologists and medical doctors that are literally on the front lines treating patients, general practitioners. I mean, it's amazing the gamut that you have of all these various people in their, in their respective fields all coming out and saying, oh, time out. We actually have a drug that works, a drug that has been known to be safe for over 65 years, a drug that is readily available to us, a drug that actually has the side effects. And this is, we'll get into this later, but there's side effects to this drug that are good. Where you have people for, with diabetes taking it, people with lupus taking it, and other things. And so it's, 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 it's an incredible drug. In fact, one doctor said, he's like, if you were to put me on an island, this would be the drug that I would choose. It would be hydroxychloroquine. And so absolutely amazing. Now, why, pray tell, did big tech, did the social media companies come out and vehemently attack this so intensely and so quickly? I mean, see, this is the thing. You got to step back and look, why is there such diabolical opposition when you have not hundreds, but thousands of doctors coming out and saying the way this is being handled is totally corrupt. And doctors all over, this isn't the only group of doctors that have gotten together. There are other association, doctors associations that have written letters to their governors, etc. Why are they coming out so vehemently against this thing? And here's the thing. This is the other main cog of this whole COVID-19 pandemic is that if in fact there is an actual cure, if this simply can be dealt with, with a drug that has virtually no side effects, that has proven to be safe for decades, the rest of the agenda falls like a house of cards. There's nothing left. Because then there's no more lockdowns. There's no more fear. The kids don't have to stay home from school anymore. Oh, businesses can reopen. Churches can go back to doing and praising the Lord, doing what they're accustomed to do. Society will return. But they can't have that. And so anyone that's going to come out and speak truth, cast some light on darkness... You better believe, you better be ready for the blowback. And I know these, these doctors are. And what's amazing is, is actually further, specifically on the doctor we just heard from, Dr. Stella uh, Emanuel, she's a Christian. And you should have seen some of the articles written against her. I mean, you want to talk about ad hominem tactics. It was just garbage. Attacking the fact that she's basically a psychopath because she prays for her patients. She's a Christian. Uh, attacking the fact that she doesn't think men should wear dresses. Attacking the fact that uh, she doesn't believe in gay marriage. Except, th things like that. I couldn't believe. I start, I start reading through uh, the assaults. It was unbelievable. But nothing medically sound. You won't find anything like that. It's just these blanket, flippant statements. I mean, this, it's scary when you see stuff like this actually going down in, in, in the way it is. That being said, one of the things that 
she talked about is you don't need to be stuck in lockdowns. You don't need to wear masks because we have a cure. I want to talk about the mask thing because over the last like couple of weeks, this has been such a, a hotly debated thing, especially recently, even in Minnesota with the governor's orders now mandating in any building that you go in, uh, you have to wear a mask. I know even, there, but there's parts in the state of Minnesota, such as Minneapolis, you have to wear one outside. Uh, and I know there's different states uh, with the same mandate. I want to talk about this because there's a little bit of perspective we need on this just as we need with hydroxychloroquine. And the headline on this first one I want to read to you is, New study casts more doubt on effectiveness of mass in preventing COVID-19 spread. Research published in the Annals of Internal Medicine last month found that both surgical and cloth masks proved ineffective in preventing the spread of SARS-CoV-2. Uh, the coronavirus is uh, the coronavirus that causes COVID-19. Neither surgical nor cotton masks effectively filtered SARS-CoV-2 during coughs by infected patients. Researchers concluded. Now, let me build on this. World Health Organization, who guidance healthy people should wear masks only when taking care of coronavirus patients. And here's the commentary. If you do not have any respiratory symptoms, such as fever, cough, or runny nose, you do not need to wear a mask. Dr. April Baller, a public health specialist for The Who, says in a video on the World Health uh, Body's website posted in March. Now, keep in mind, obviously, March, we're, you know, we're into this thing, right? This COVID, we're in this. Then she says, masks should only be used by healthcare workers, caretakers, or by people who are sick with symptoms of fever and cough. Now that comes right out of the World Health Organization. And one thing I think we need to appreciate is uh, you have to believe that clearly there are going to be some doctors there that are not uh, informed as to the bigger picture of what the who is really about and what it wants to accomplish, what uh, Brock Chisholm was about. But they're just simply doctors that want to help people. And apparently Dr. Baller is one of those because not long after, the who had to retract the statement. You, again, you can't make this up. So here's this headline, WebND by Ralph Ellis. Who changes stance says public should wear masks? See, because Dr. Baller wasn't informed that, you know, there's an actual agenda here that we need to accomplish and we can't have any anything uh, messing with that. Uh, it, it is clear to me Dr. Baller was just speaking as a responsible physician. But like I said, you just can't have that today. Let me read to you another article. And this one, I, I think you need to hear carefully. Blaylock. Um this is Dr. Russell Blaylock. And uh, Dr. Blaylock warns that not only do face masks fail to protect the healthy from getting sick, but they also create serious health risks to the wearer. The bottom line is that if you are not sick, you should not wear a face mask. As for the scientific support for the use of a face mask, a recent careful examination of the literature in which 17 of the best studies were analyzed concluded that none of the studies established a conclusive relationship between mask, respirator use, and protection against influenza infection. It is also instructive to know 
that until recently, the CDC did not recommend wearing a face mask or covering of any kind unless a person was known to be infected. That is, until recently, the emphasis, he keeps saying, until recently, there's an agenda. Therefore, we're going to medically change our position. Non-infected people need not wear a mask. When a person has TB, we have them wear a mask, not the entire community of non-infected. Okay, so this is, you know, the rational idea of you quarantine the sick. This is not complicated, right? Uh, the recommendations by the CDC and the WHO are not based on any studies of this virus and have never been used to contain any other virus pandemic or epidemic in history. Several studies have indeed found significant problems with wearing such a mask. This can vary from headaches to increased airway resistance, obviously, uh, carbon dioxide accumulation, because you're breathing in, your ex as you exhale, you're breathing that in. Uh, hypoxia, where you're losing all your ox you're losing oxygen in your blood, you pass out, all the way to serious life-threatening complications. There is another danger to wearing these masks on a daily basis, especially if worn for several hours. When a person is infected with a respiratory virus, they will expel some of the virus with each breath. If they are wearing a mask, especially an N95 mask or other tight-fitting mask, they will be constantly rebreathing the viruses, raising the concentration of the virus in the lungs and the nasal passages. We know that people who have the worst reactions to the coronavirus have the highest concentrations of the virus early on. And this leads to the deadly cytokine storm in a selected number. It gets even more frightening. Uh, newer evidence suggests that in some cases, the virus can enter the brain. Now, for Dr. Blaylock, this is very important because Dr. Blaylock is a neurosurgeon, clearly an underachiever in our society. I'm being facetious. Newer evidence, or in, continuing on, in most instances, it enters the brain by way of the olfactory nerves, smell nerves, which connect uh, directly with the area of the brain dealing with recent memory and memory consolidation. The wearing, uh, by wearing a mask, the uh, exhaled viruses will not be able to escape and will concentrate in the nasal passages, enter the olfactory nerves, and travel to the brain. And so... <laughs> As you look at this mass debate, on one hand, it's not, it's not a singular deal. On one hand, you have to start critically thinking and debating the health risks involved. Is it healthy for you to wear a mask? Is it potentially detrimental for you to wear a mask? You need to ask yourself these questions. There's even... Uh, um, even in the governor's recent orders here in, in Minnesota, uh, writing up for in regard to the face mask, there are exemptions clearly stated there. The concern is, is man, if you have any medical condition, you have any mental health condition, don't, don't wear a mask. Uh, don't do it. Uh, and that language is in there for a reason. They're recognizing, man, this could be seriously harmful. And uh, Dr. Blaylock, a neurosurgeon, would argue it's, it's, it's not healthy for any healthy person to wear one. You shouldn't wear one. The World Health Organization at one time suggested you shouldn't wear one. The CDC followed. I mean, 
uh, we got to start looking at this only until recently when they're trying to purport an agenda so that you know you can observe every single person wearing a mask so that in your brain you believe there's actually a radical pandemic for which there's no hope and if you get it everyone's going to die instilling that fear um you see the problem here and so it's it's time that you start to critically think and this is something you would have to decide on your own whether you think it's right to wear a mask or not now you go to someone else's establishment it's appropriate if they have conditions upon you entering that you you wear a mask that's the appropriate thing to do to follow that and to respect that um but otherwise you know you, you need you need to think about what's best there is another level of argument here that i want to address today that we need to talk about because uh, this also is under attack the constitutional right uh, in other words do governors have the constitutional right uh, to just you know uh, you know wave their magic wand of executive order and start implementing things like wearing a mask well I'm gonna tell you uh, you have congressmen across the country you have attorneys you have sheriffs with the sheriffs is kind of a key one uh, all over the country saying this is unconstitutional this is an overreach you, you, you can't do this I, I want to give you some examples here um, Fox News the headline reads Texas sheriffs refuse to enforce governor's mask mandate despite surge in coronavirus cases and then we read law enforcement officials in at least eight counties have said since they will not issue verbal or written citations for those who do not comply with the mask mandate or have since said they will not issue um, some officials cited a lack of staffing while others argued the language of the executive order either made it difficult to police or infringed unconstitutional rights Denton County Sheriff Tracy Murphy said we can't spend our time running from place to place uh, for calls about mass we can really do nothing about okay in other words it's not constitutional the sheriff continued like I said I will comply because I want to comply he, he's willing he has liberty and freedom so therefore if he wants to comply he complies I won't and I do not believe I can take any enforcement action on this order I do believe oh excuse me here we go I'll highlight this for you I do believe that I have sworn to uphold uh, the Constitution and I will do so moving on to this next one some Colorado sheriffs say they won't cite for mass violations house minority threatens lawsuit and then look at this video in the middle of all that Asa Hutchinson joins the majority of U.S. Gover governors issuing a face covering requirement effective Monday. But as THV 11's Jordan Howington reports, some Arkansans are saying no, and some central Arkansas sheriffs refuse to enforce it, citing constitutional concerns. We still live in America. This is not Russia or China or North or South Korea. Some people stand by their right to freedom, like Jeremy Ballinger, who chooses not to wear a mask because he believes he has found holes in the governor's statewide mask mandate. And so this is what we're getting all over the country, where sheriffs are coming out and saying, what is going on? No, this is not North Korea. 
we will not be enforcing this. The, the whole aspect to it is looking really insane. Look at this headline. Several local departments join growing list of sheriffs who won't enforce North Carolina mask mandate. And then it reads as follows going in, and there's an actual quote here. As sheriff, it is my sworn uh, duty to endorse or enforce um, laws enacted by our legislation as well as protect the constitutional rights of all citizens. It is my belief that Governor Cooper's executive order mandating face coverings by all citizens in public is not only unconstitutional, but it is unenforceable. And so here you have two aspects to this decree, if you will. Number one, it's not realistically enforceable. Number two, it's just not constitutional. You can't step over that bounds. And so what we are seeing here is really amazing. We are seeing an all-out war. There is a power attempting to come in and totally destroy this nation. And yet there are men all over this country, men and women, that are stepping up saying, hold on a second, this isn't right. And it's interesting, it's, it's, it's on every level, whether you're talking about uh, law enforcement, whether you're talking about the medical field, I mean, this, this is everywhere. Alpha News, and this kind of hits home for me, being that this, this comes out of Minnesota. After the statewide mask order was signed, many Republicans spoke out against it, saying Walls does not have the legal power to create such a mandate. Representative Steve Dreskowski went as far as to start a lawsuit with other Republicans against Walls. I'll venture to say law firms have never been as busy as they are today. There are lawsuits flying everywhere. Churches filing lawsuits. Uh, places like the ACLJ, the Pacific Justice Institute, they're drowning in cases. Um, continuing on. We have a constitutional system of government which gives the Minnesota legislature the authority to write the law, not the governor, said Drzeskowski. Not only is Governor Walls unconstitutionally creating new laws with his executive orders, but he is using his executive orders to supersede written law. Dreskowski has accused Walls of purposely avoiding the legislative route and said he should be ashamed of himself. The legislature was just in session two days ago. In other words, bad form, Governor Walls. The governor specifically waited until legislature was adjourned from special session so he could impose a max mandate without the input of all Minnesotans, uh, said Dreskowski. Weighing in on this, Jason Lewis, a Republican candidate for U.S. Senate, spoke his mind about the issue. As I have been warning for months now, what started as a fight against an invisible danger has morphed into a fight against a very clear and present danger. This is what he says, unconstitutional power grabs being waged by radical liberals. Yes, it is all out war. We are in a state of war. There is an actual, literal, tangible takeover happening right now. And the general public is in fear over their virus. This is, is it's kind of mind blowing what is what is actually taking place. I want to finish out uh, today 
and let you watch a few clips that I uh, have for you put together from the America's Frontline Doctors. Absolute vital information in here. And uh, I, I want you to pay close attention. If you haven't seen these, you need to hear this. Um, and there's much, much more. Um, these are just fragments of what they have to say. They, they've gone as far as there, there's... Um, doctors out there that are taking to whiteboards and literally getting to the molecular structure of why hydroxychloroquine actually works as a drug and it's absolutely incredible and I'm not going to bore you with that but if you have time and you're interested that is definitely worth uh, a watch if you will uh, that being said take a look at these Dr. Emmanuel, also known as Warrior. Uh, before I introduce the next guest, I just want to say that I wish all doctors that are listening to this bring that kind of passion to their patients. And the study that Dr. Emmanuel was referring to is in virology, which talks about a SARS uh, viral epidemic that affects the lungs that came from China. And they didn't know what would work. The study showed that chloroquine would work. It sounds exactly like it could have been written three months ago. But in fact, that study in virology, which was published by the NIH, the National Institute of Health, when Dr. Anthony Fauci was the director, again, the official publication of the NIH, virology, 15 years ago showed that chloroquine, we use hydroxychloroquine, it's the same, a little safer, works. They proved this 15 years ago when we got this novel coronavirus, which is not that novel. It's 78% similar to the prior version, the COVID-1. Not surprisingly, it works. I'm not going to me. How can I get it? So the congressman can't get it. It's tough luck for the average American Joe getting it. It's very difficult. You have to overcome a few hurdles. Your doctor has to have read the science with a critical eye and have eliminated the junk science. Many studies have been retracted, as you know. And number two, the pharmacist has to not restrict it. Many states have empowered their pharmacists to not honor physician prescription. That's never happened before. That interference with the doctor-patient relationship, where the patient talks to the doctor honestly and the doctor answers the patient honestly, has been violated. So you have a very difficult time as the average American. Some of the information we'll share later this afternoon is to show the mortality rates in countries where it's not restricted and the mortality rates where it is restricted. So I have friends all over the world now because of this. And in Indonesia, you can just buy it over the counter. It's in the vitamin section. And I'm here to tell the American people that you can buy it over the counter in Iran because the leaders in Iran, the mullahs in Iran, think that they should have more freedom than Americans. I have a problem with that. My, my colleagues have problems with that. We don't like to watch patients die. So the only number that I think is worth paying any attention to, and even that number is not so helpful, but is mortality because that's a hard and fast number. So the case number is almost irrelevant. And that's because there's a lot of inaccuracies with the testing. And also, even if the test is accurate, most people are asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic. So it's not that important to know. So the case number, which you see rising all the time in the news, is basically irrelevant. And if you had told us a few months ago that that was the number that the media was going to go crazy over, we all would have just laughed at that. I mean, that's essentially herd immunity. There's lots of people out there who have tested positive without symptoms or with very mild symptoms. So the only number that's worth paying attention to is mortality. When you look at the mortality, this is a disease that takes that unfortunately kills our most frail members of society. People with multiple comorbid conditions, specifically diabetes, obesity, is a big one. We don't talk about that, but it is. It's a fact. 
um, coronary artery disease, severe coronary artery disease, people like that. And also, if you're older, it's a risk factor. But the biggest risk factor is if you have comorbid conditions. If you're young and healthy, this is not, you're going to recover. If you're under 60 with no comorbid conditions, it's less deadly than influenza. This seems to come as great news to Americans because this is not what you're being told. Um, I would say the answer is it's very difficult to get accurate numbers. <laughs> Doctors need to rise up, okay? Doctors need to rise up and say, I know my patients, I know how to read literature, I can determine which studies are true and which are entirely fabricated, as in a study published in the second most prestigious medical journal in the world, The Lancet, a, a fabricated study that was retracted. The, uh, the EUA for the use of hydroxychloroquine was withdrawn about 11 days after that study was determined to be false and is likely that decision to withdraw that was based on the fabricated data that hydroxychloroquine is dangerous or even some of the uh, studies that are very flawed that show it to be harmful. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, that's a great question because the fear of this drug has driven the, the, uh, the, the, the whole political situation has driven the fear towards this drug. So let's address that. This drug is super safe. It's safer than aspirin, Motrin, Tylenol. It's super safe, all right? So what the problem is in a lot of those studies, they did very, very high doses, massive doses. All through the country, uh, they did the REMAP study, the Solidarity trial. Uh, that was the World Health Organization trial. And also the recovery trial. They used 2,400 milligrams in the first day. All you need is 200 twice a week for prophylaxis. They used massive toxic doses. And guess what they found out? When you use massive toxic doses, you get toxic results. The drug doesn't work when you give toxic doses, okay? There are very, it's a very safe drug. It concentrates in the lungs, 200 to 700 times higher in the lungs. It's an amazing drug because in the bloodstream, you're not gonna get high levels, but you get massive levels in the lungs. So you're gonna find yourself, if you're prophylaxed, as soon as the virus gets there, it's going to have a hard time getting through because the, the hydroxychloroquine blocks it from getting in. And then once it gets in, it won't let the virus, it won't let it actually replicate. It actually actually bring in zinc, and zinc will mess up the copy machine called the RDRP. So with, with the combination of drugs, it's incredibly effective in the early disease. By itself, it's incredibly effective as a prophylaxis. So I hope that, does that answer the question? Yeah, I... I want to emphasize on something that Dr. Urza just said because I love the question. This is a treatment regimen that's very simple and it should be in the hands of the American people. The difficult aspect of this is that at the moment, because of politics, it's being blocked from doctors prescribing it and it's being blocked from pharmacists releasing it. They've been empowered to overrule the doctor's opinion. Why is this not over the counter as you can get it in much of the world? In almost all of Latin America, in Iran, in Indonesia, in Sub-Saharan Africa. You can just go and buy it yourself. And the dose, my friends, is 200 milligrams twice in a week and zinc daily. That's the dose. I'm in favor of it being over the counter. Give it to the people. Give it to the people. Two more who can answer this question and they know this information. Hi, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm Dr. James Stenaro. I just want to add a couple comments to what Dr. Gold was saying. If it, if it seems like there is an orchestrated attack that's going on against hydroxychloroquine, it's because there is. When have you ever heard of a medication generating this degree of controversy? A 65-year-old medication that has been in the World Health Organization's safe, essential list of medications for years. Okay, it's over-the-counter in many countries. 
And what we're seeing is a lot of misinformation. So I, I co-authored the first document on hydroxychloroquine uh, as a potential treatment for coronavirus. This is back in March, and that kind of kicked off a whole series of, of a storm on it. And since then, there's been a tremendous amount of censorship on doctors like us and what we're saying. And, and a number of us have already been censored. That Google document that I co-authored was actually pulled down by Google. And this is after now many studies have shown that it is effective and it is safe. You still can't read that article. And there's also this misinformation out there. And unfortunately, this has reached the, the highest orders of medicine. Um, in May, there was a, an article published in The Lancet. So this is one of the world's most prestigious medical journals in the world. Okay? The World Health Organization stopped all their clinical trials on hydroxychloroquine because of this study. And it was independent researchers like us who care about patients, who care about the truth, that dug into the study and determined that it was actually fabricated data. The data was not real. And it was so, we did this so convincingly that this study was retracted by The Lancet less than two weeks after it was published. This is almost unheard of, especially for a study of this magnitude. So it's, you know, I apologize to, to everyone for the fact that there is so much misinformation out there and it's so hard to find the truth. And unfortunately, it's going to take looking in other places for, for the truth. It's going to be, that's why we formed uh, frontline doctors here, to try to help get the, the real information out there. How can the right answer be to limit physicians' use of the medication? That, that can't possibly be the right answer. And when you consider that this medication before COVID-19 had been used for decades, right, by patients with rheumatoid arthritis, by patients with lupus, by patients with other conditions, by pa patients who needed, you know, who were traveling to West Africa and needed malaria prophylaxis, They've, we've been using it for a long time. But all of a sudden, it's, es it's elevated to this area of looking like some poisonous drug. That, that just doesn't make sense. And, and then when you add on to that the fact that we've had two of the biggest journals in the world, New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet, as my colleagues say, retract studies that found, interestingly, that hydroxychloroquine harmed patients, right? Both of these studies. And they had to retract these studies, which really is unheard of. 